the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> the movement from Trinity season into the season of Advent is a movement from long-term spirituality into urgency, from sustaining our prayer over time to the call to do something new. In the words of the epistle, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The nearness of our salvation is shown in the gospel, in the Palm Sunday story. Why are we reading the Palm Sunday story on the first week of Advent? The gospel gives the answer in the words of the prophet Zechariah. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting upon a donkey. Advent means coming, and the gospel provides an image of Jesus coming in humility to save us. The Advent collect, which we say daily throughout the Advent season, contrasts Jesus' first coming in humility with his second coming in glory. We pray for grace to cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life, in which thy son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life of mortal. Conceptually, this makes perfect sense. Receive the humble Savior now so that we will be prepared to meet the righteous judge. But what does this mean in practical terms? How can we channel the energy of urgency into action, into things that will actually make us more ready to meet Jesus? We can begin with what not to do. The wrong approach is highlighted by preachers who proclaim that the coming of Jesus is chronologically near and that they have some idea of when that chronology or what that chronology is. Their message leads to short-term behavioral change based on fear. When the prediction proves false and the excitement wanes, the result is disillusionment. The natural conclusion is that if they were wrong about when Jesus or the judgment would come, they must be wrong about Jesus entirely. Their message ends up having the impact of what C.S. Lewis termed a local scare. The right approach is highlighted by the parables that Jesus told to teach us how to prepare. In Matthew 25, Jesus told the parables of the wise and foolish virgins and the parable of the talents. The wise virgins who were waiting as the bridegroom tarried took oil in their lamps. They prepared to keep a faithful and watchful vigil of prayer until the bridegroom arrived no matter how long it took for him to come. The faithful stewards in the parable of the talents took the money entrusted to them and traded with it. This means they were faithful 
to use their gifts in the ordinary flow of life, the gifts that God had given them. Both parables make the point that we prepare for the coming of Jesus by ordinary faithfulness in prayer and good works. Habitually doing what Christ calls us to do as we wait for him. We can connect the urgency of Advent with a call to ordinary faithfulness by examining our habits and our patterns of behavior. We are liturgical creatures. Our lives are characterized by habits and patterns that are fairly steady and regular. Thus, if we want to establish lasting change, we must change our habits and our patterns so that the liturgies of our lives are reoriented towards faithfulness. A profitable advent can begin by examining our routines. Are we stuck in habits that do not produce any eternally good thing? Or have we simply drifted into some unprofitable habits? Advent is a season of opportunity to change them. Now is high time to awake out of sleep. We can think of our liturgies of life in two directions that mirror the summary of the law. How do we love God with all our heart? And how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Love for God is reflected in the priority of our prayer and devotion. If we love God above all things, this will be reflected in patterns of behavior where duty to God is first. We will worship God on the first day of the week with his church. We will begin and end the day with prayer. We will give back to God the first and best of what he gives to us the tithe. These habits will cultivate within us an attitude of thanksgiving and an experience of God's joy and God's peace. Sometimes we really do love God above all, but have allowed other urgencies to pull us away from the tangible expressions of that love. Advent is a good time to examine our use of social and other media in relationship to our prayer. And the contrast is instructive for the spiritual life. Media offers effortless short-term gratification, but produces little, if any, lasting good. Habits of prayer require effort to maintain but produce within us God's joy and God's peace and God's virtues as we persevere in them. Advent is an opportunity to reassess the proportion of our engagement, the proportion of media and prayer and spiritual disciplines, and to practice some form of media fast for the season. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves that since we love God in our hearts, our visible, tangible devotion to God doesn't matter very much. Test that theory with other people. Tell them that you love them 
with all your heart, but don't really have any time to do anything for them and see how that works. There's also the opposite religious error. You might be going through the motions of religion and prayer, but our hearts may have grown a little cold. Advent is an opportunity to find some spaces of solitude and silence, to listen for God's voice in a new way, and perhaps to get some spiritual counsel. Often, other members of the body of Christ, other people can help us to hear God's voice in a new way. We might be stuck in hearing our own voices and not so much the voice of God. <clears throat> we will be having a day-long Advent retreat at church on Saturday, December 11th. I commend this to you. The second way to think about our liturgies of life is with regard to our love for neighbor. This is the focus of our epistle today, which says, <clears throat> Owe no one anything but to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love for neighbor is related to love for God because our neighbor is made in the image of God. See Genesis 1.27. And our fellow Christians have been born again in the image of Christ. This connection is the basis for Jesus' statement in Matthew 25.40, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Thus, love for God requires love for neighbor in action. As 1 John says, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, who bears God's image, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Paradoxically, our cultural error here tends to be the reduction of love to acts of assistance. These are not wrong, but they are not a substitute for the gift of time and listening. We are a relationally impoverished culture. Many addictive behaviors are rooted in relational disconnection, a lack of true intimacy with God and with other people. We fill the void created by the relational distance with stuff, and the relational distance fills us with anxiety and fear. Because we tend to view life in terms of economics and productivity, we tend to view other people as a means to the end of something else. We are tempted to move past relational encounters in pursuit of other goals. Consequently, Advent repentance involves learning to see and respond to the image of God in others, learning to give others the gift of courtesy, respect, time, attention, and interest without regard to what we need or want from them or for them. The habitual part of this is learning to treat our encounters with other people each day as encounters with the image of God. 
paying the most attention to those who are closest to us, for it is easier to love people whom we do not know. Just thinking about that for a season will begin to sow some seeds of change. Advent is a season of opportunity given to us by the church to examine our lives and to change things. For now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.